From Walking in Grace, this is the Straight Truth Podcast, Christian truths in an increasingly secular world. Welcome again to the Straight Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Philpot. Now, today's episode is part of a special series of interviews on the topic of spiritual discernment, which is the theme of our annual Truth and Love Conference at Founders Baptist Church. For today's episode, Dr. Richard Caldwell sits down with Dr. Jerry Ragg to discuss this important topic. Now, be sure to like this video or leave your comment below and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Now, let's listen as Dr. Caldwell and Dr. Ragg discuss this important topic. Well, it is uh, a great joy of mine to have my friend, Dr. Jerry Ragg, here with us uh, this week. And you've come, Jerry, at a time that is very near to uh, a strategic conference for our church every year. It's called uh, Speaking the Truth in Love Conference. And this particular year is, is going to be a special year because we're dealing with the subject of discernment. And uh, one of the things that I uh, respect you for uh, is your discernment. Um, your many years of experience in ministry, uh, just knowing you personally and being able to talk about the issues of the day and hear your perspective informed by Scripture, I just really respect uh, your ability to uh, cut through the issues of the day with truth and recognize what's going on. So I'm very grateful to have you with us on uh, the Straight Truth Podcast today. Privilege to be with you. Uh, Dr. Ragg, just for those who are watching this, he is the pastor-teacher of Grace Emanuel Bible Church in Jupiter, Florida. He is also the president of the Expositor Seminary, and our church is one of the campuses that belong to that uh, group of, of church campuses that make up the Expositor Seminary. He's the president of the seminary. And so what I want to do today, Jerry, is, is talk to you about uh, the subject matter that our conference is going to deal with, the subject of discernment and just give our listeners an opportunity to hear you and hear your heart on the subject matter. So I've got a list of questions here that mm -hmm. I, I made up and I just wanna walk through them one by one and, uh, and get your perspective. So I wanna begin with a definition, it's always helpful. Uh, when you think about the subject of discernment and you think about defining it, how would you from scripture define discernment? Well, that's, a, that's really where we have to begin. Discernment is essentially the ability to see right from wrong or to perceive uh, the truth from error. You see this in Hebrews 5.14, that when by practice the senses are trained, and he's speaking there about the senses of the spiritual life, your spiritual mind assessing the spiritual with the spiritual, getting beyond the natural man and into uh, the work that the Spirit does. We take principles from Scripture and we learn to apply them wisely to life. Mm. And when you do that by practice, and you don't just remain elementary or generalized in your understanding of truth, but you take the truth and wisely apply it, your senses, your spiritual senses, begin to become trained and you can perceive truth from error. You can make a clear defining line between evil and good. Uh, if you stay in the generalities, you lose that ability, your senses atrophy, so to speak. And thinking about that passage, um, what we are attempting to discern beyond just truth and error, that's one way to state it, but aren't we attempting to discern 
that which God sets His uh, good pleasure on, that which He affirms, versus that which He would reject? Are, are, we, are we striving to be able to have our um, affirmations and our uh, refusals match that of God? Is that, is that what we're aiming at? Yeah, that's at? actually a great way to say it. And again, points back to the whole reality that practicing the truth is the only way to get there. I think sometimes when we think about discernment, even the church, when it's thought about discernment, it's thought about at times cleverness, mm. uh, human intellect, ingenuity, um, somebody that uh, might have a skill in a particular discipline, but has uh, neglected a well-rounded or full scope of truth in all the other disciplines. Now, actually, the way you said it was very, very clear. We are looking to know the mind and the heart of God that only the Spirit knows. Mm. And when we make spiritual assessments by the truth, your mind is renewed in the truth. And so, therefore, your, your antenna are up, your spiritual antenna. You think thoughts after God. You see error coming before it arrives. You... Your instincts begin to form in a spiritual way. So, We are living in a very confusing moment in history. As we are doing this interview, uh, this is the day when um, the electoral votes uh, presented to Congress are to be accepted or rejected. And, and of course, to be accepted is, is the expectation. And there's rioting going on, and, and the Capitol Police uh, are engaged with people who are protesting. We're just living in a, in a very uh, raucous, riotous, confusing time in history. Um, when you think about the church in the midst of this particular moment in American history, world history, do you think um, the church, generally speaking, is is characterized right now by sound discernment? Or do you, do you see the church as being sort of tossed around right now in much the same way the culture is being tossed around and, and confused? Well, I do. I, I think the church has been confused, especially lately, but really is the legacy of the pragmatic movement when there has been so much insipid teaching that has been accepted over decades, then what happens is you get a generation or two that have come up under gospel generalities, truth that is uh, flexed and shaped after the fashion of people's interests. <clears throat> the church has played games with definitive truth. They have, uh, in the meantime, elevated a view of tolerance that has made truth a matter of sentimentality or We've said that someone who speaks truth definitively is unloving. Right. These kinds of things have, uh, have caused us to get emotional about the truth rather than believe it for mm -hmm. what God has revealed it to be. And therefore, we've begun a slow erosion or capitulation. So what we're seeing today in the confusion is, is the inevitable outcome of not being specific and definitive as God has said it. Now, that does not to suggest that there aren't obscure passages right. or that even in matters of tension like you're describing is happening today, that there aren't issues to discuss. There are issues to discuss. There are matters of biblical mandate and there are matters of preference and conscience. There are cultural issues that have come against the church's ideology and it challenged us to, to go back to scripture and think about how we would apply it to these issues. 
be that as it may, we are still not only undiscerning, but at times unwilling yeah. to go and look clearly at at passages that aren't obscure, right? passages that are clear, and then to trust that God did not put us in a dilemma with clear passages. If there's tension, then there's tension, but we must come right up to revelation and not be afraid of that. The church hasn't done that very well. Yeah, and I mentioned the, the riots and all that, sort of emblematic of, you know, a much larger set of issues. So I think about the social justice movement that right. the church is trying to get its head around right now. I think about the roles of men and women in the life of the church. Uh, in Southern Baptist life, for example, that's a big discussion. Um, yes. Uh, I, I think about the, all the health issues going on right now and, and the various states in different, um, taking different positions on lockdowns and masking and all of that. And, and believers talking with one another about how to work through that uh, in terms of how we ought to feel about that and respond to that. So, as I said, this is a very confusing time in so many different areas. As you've noted, and I agree with you, I think the church reveals a lot of that same kind of confusion. You and I have talked about this privately, but I'd like for, for our listeners to hear you talk about this. Oftentimes it's thought that that humility is standing in a place without certainty and that it's proud to be definitive, to be clear. You mentioned earlier, you know, about the church the church is confused and struggling because of our lack of, of a willingness to be clear where God has been clear. Talk about humility and pride and our response to the Word of God. How do those things work together? One of the ways we arrived, I think, at this is because in the schoolyard of social media, we have defaulted to uh, the mentality that you're able to just offer an opinion without specific scriptures to clarify it, where you your bottom end is the scripture, exegetically, biblically, contextually. And so we have all kinds of opinions flying around about these things. And when you get into a culture of the church sort of sharing opinions and no one's getting specific, you, you notice it sometimes at conferences where two people or a panel will get up there and they'll they'll decide they're going to put some issue out on the table. They put it out there, but nobody goes to a passage with a Bible open right. and actually looks at the passage. This one shares a passage behind their perspective. This one does in a similar way we're doing here in this forum. But in those debates, they the people are left with no specifics, mm. no clarity of from actual passages. And I think that leads to what you're talking about. So what do we do about that? Well, I've always thought the God has clarity. God has clarity about all these things. Yes. Hebrews 4.12 couldn't be clearer, and it's that's before the chapter on having your senses trained. Mm -hmm. He says that if you want to get down to the thoughts and intentions right. of the heart, if you want clarity on the dividing line between good and evil, right and wrong, we must know that the Word of God is living and active, and it cuts both sides. So it seems to me the more general we talk about things, the more we're left with this idea, well, if you're definitive, Richard, then you must, you must be arrogant or proud because no one can be that definitive. And when you say, well, I'm, I'm not trying to be personally definitive, I'm not trying to take a personal stand on an opinion, I'm trying to say that where God's word speaks straightforward, then let's say it as God says it because my job is to be a herald of it. What would you say to the person who says, we hear this a lot, what would you say to the person who says, uh, but look at all the various 
uh, interpretations of the Bible. Um, speak, if you would, to the, to the issue of the clarity of Scripture, uh, to the ability to know what the will of God is. It's interesting, the passage you mentioned first dealing with discernment, that we might know what the will of God is, that which right. is good and acceptable and perfect. So God's will is knowable. Yes. What would you say to the person who says, then why are there so many different interpretations uh, when it comes well, to Well, my scripture? answer to that, I get that question all the time. My answer to that is always the same. It is because we are in the struggle for truth and we have only one source to go to. My problem isn't that there are going to be different perspectives until we get closer and closer to what God actually said and what he meant by what he said. That's fine. We can discuss that and keep refining yes. because my assumption is God was clear. He calls it revelation for a reason. Right. He wanted to reveal. And as you said, so that we can know the more you and I study it, the closer we're going to get together. My problem is when we don't open this book. Yes. And then we ask the question, why are there so many views? Well, of course, you're never going to get closer to knowing whether you're standing for truth and calling out error, even with a brother or sister, or whether you just need to study together with them more to come to a view. You're never going to know that if, unless you open this and look at its context and talk about passages and, and not just opinionize about them, but actually look at the text with your own yes. eyes. Richard, that is going to take the real humility because what if you're wrong? Yeah. What have you been holding this view, right. teaching it to others? I mean, when's the last time you knew of a pastor at any level, ordinary, private, or extraordinary in public, who actually changed a serious view because even in a debate or a discussion, they were found out to have mis been misguided in exegesis. It's extremely rare. It's extremely rare, which then teaches the body of Christ, well, you just don't do that. Right, right. So we have a wrong view of what humility is. Humility is opening this and with brother and sister, setting forth the scripture in its context. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on every passage or every issue, but let's face it, that builds unity between us because we trust that each other has done their homework and we've humbled ourselves to listen to Amen, the Amen, Jerry. View. And it, wouldn't it be true to say also that where God has spoken clearly, it's not humility to act as if we don't know what he said. I mean, to treat no. to treat uh, what God has given us in clear terms as if it's not clear, as if it's still up for debate. That is pride. Yes, exactly. Look, God takes us up to the walls sometimes, and we shouldn't be afraid to go to it. We can't climb over it where he has locked our understanding and the secret things belong to right. him. It would be proud to go over it. It would be proud to fall short of it simply because we're afraid of what it says. We go to where God's revelation takes us. There's humility. Anything less or more than that is an attempt to subvert the truth, which is the, the essence of pride. So what is God's plan for the growth of discernment in his people. And I, I want to preface uh, a bit by saying, you know, we are living in a time where if a guy has a camera and a microphone, he has a program, right? He can do whatever he wants to do. And so we live in a world of YouTubers and bloggers, and, and there's even sort of a growth, well, there is a growth in, in what we could refer to as discernment blogging or uh, discernment ministries. And, and again, a guy gets a microphone, he puts together a podcast, he gets on a camera, and he puts together a YouTube. Um, how do you think about all of these voices that are giving us answers for the issues of the day? Is, is that really God's plan for the growth of discernment in his people, that 
that they would try to imbibe something of all of that and then come to their own position? Or is there some other way that God means for his people to grow? Oh, the primary means for God's people to develop discernment is the body of believers, the body of Christ and the ministry of the local church. That is clear. Preaching is the primary gift in the church through which we learn the voice of God, the truth of God, and we begin to understand truth. Shepherding in that flock is the primary means in the mutual encouragement of the body whereby we are equipped. Mm. Ephesians clearly says that. And what is the goal of that equipping? Ephesians 4, that we might grow up into all aspects into him who is our head, even Christ, until we reach the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. And what does he mean? Unity around the truth, the knowledge of the, the true knowledge of the Son of God, you know, that epignosis word, yes. word group, real knowledge of our salvation in Christ. And then unity with one another around doctrine that protects us from being tossed here and there. It couldn't be a clearer text on the local church ministry of equipment being the the incubator for discernment, for sure. If someone's discernment ministries or blogging uh, can be a help, it will only be as strong as the mutual discipleship, encouragement, and pastoral shepherding that that individual receives. Right. And so long as that is flowing outward from the strength of that ministry's preaching, teaching, and shepherding, you, you could have some benefit to those things. I do believe, as you do, that it's dangerous mm -hmm to uh, get in front of a microphone and begin to formulate a ministry that's watchdog-esque and that takes on every issue. Part of that is because every Christian knows that if all you ever think about all day is finding the next doctrine of demons under every rock, your devotional life will suffer because we, we're not made for merely looking at doctrines of demons and pointing them out. We're not made for 24-7 polemics. We're made to defend the truth, stand in the truth, live a holy life, and be devoted to Christ. That's as uh, serious as pointing out a false doctrine and, and just as serious as staying by a bedside with a saint who's ill and praying with them. That's the two are equal for the Christian as dynamics through which we grow. So I, I always think about these discernment blogs and ministries and I think, okay, what is the, what is the approach to God's word? Uh, what is it that their mainstay is, their main diet? Uh, and then the scriptures has something to say about how you deal with every corner of false teaching. N not every person who was wrapped in error was responded to the same way by Jesus uh, yeah. as he responded to others. When it came to the Pharisees, it was a scathing rebuke on the Temple Mount. When it came to uh, a former prostitute, it was a gentle uh, go and sin no more. Uh, and everything in between. When I see a discernment ministry taking care to shepherd all of their listening audience instead of just, you know, those that might need to come out of some cult, right? Uh, then I see a more balanced help, perhaps. And just to make clear for the people who watch, I mean, we're doing that right now, right? right? We're putting something out that's that's meant to we pray to be edifying to the body of Christ as a whole at large. Right. It's a public ministry, but this ministry is flowing from a regular every week, you know, uh, down in the ditches, so to speak. Uh, shepherding ministry of a local church. You guys do a podcast called the 
Courageous Churchman podcast, it's flowing out of local church ministry, out of the work of you as a pastor and the, and the work of your elders. The same is true here. And what we're doing here, we would never suggest should take the place of a healthy, sound, local church in the lives of God's people. Absolutely. And in fact, we would direct people to their elders. We would direct people to their shepherds uh, under the chief shepherd who is the Lord Jesus Christ. So one of the ways perhaps we could say that you want to measure discernment ministries and blogs and all the rest is, what is this man's relationship to the local church? Amen. Uh, what kind of church is he involved with? Is it healthy? Does it represent sound doctrine? And does he see himself as the voice of truth shepherding the church worldwide, or is his uh, aim simply to be a voice of edification that would direct God's people back to their local situations? Well, would, said, would you agree with that? Absolutely. That is absolutely crucial to maintain what God clearly said, that you are protected when you are a sheep under the shepherds after God's own heart. You come out from under that, you'll drift. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Straight Truth Podcast. Now, we'd love to have you share this episode with friends and family. And the easiest way to do that is by going to our website, straighttruth.net, and subscribing to one of our social media channels like YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now, Straight Truth is listener-supported. So if you'd like to find out ways to help us to continue to produce this podcast, again, go to our website, straighttruth.net. Now, Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Richard Caldwell. For more information, go to Walking in Grace.